are back in the Football Shed, your weekly podcast for fans that live of football that live in the wrong time zone. My name's John Hewitt, Jeff King is here. G'day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. How you going, Rod? You're looking at me very strangely. No, no, I just thought Jeff was going to jump in with uh, an aha to start. Because <laughs> we were talking about aha uh, yeah. and gold looking change before we started. Down, baby. Depression. Oh, no, that's five. Is that five? No. If you're getting down, baby. Isn't that Backstreet Boys? Ah, uh, uh, five. Nine, one, same? one. Are they the same? They're the, the same. same. Take yeah. that. Um, Jeff, what are you drinking this evening? Um, red wine. Oh, you joined my club. Well, Civilized. I had fridge beer. <laughs> Rog oh, left his beer in the fridge tell last me more week. About this I had fridge, fridge beer. beer, but then it just for some reason it disappeared. I have no idea what happened to it. How convenient! Last time I looked in the fridge, there was loads, and then suddenly, alas, the beer had gone. Did you drink it over the weekend? Who knows? No one knows. <laughs> subpoena me. Perhaps it was your pregnant wife. No, no. Send me a subpoena. Oh, 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 Stonewall, yeah. Subpoena me. Talk to my lawyer on TV. Or your small child. Talk to my lawyer. <laughs> um, Roger, what are you drinking? New beer, because somebody <laughs> drank mine. What beers have you got? Uh, I've got a Panhead Pale Ale, which I believe is from the other side of the ditch in the, New Zealand. The Ukraine. Um, yeah. I've been enjoying... Uh, is it? No, it's not, actually. I'm lying. It's New Zealand, isn't go. it? Uh, no, it says New South Wales. Do you, do you know Sydney, Sydney? Uh, you know that in um, Crimea, you know Crimea, Ukraine, yeah. well, kind of not Ukraine anymore. Well, they're basically the Russia. annexed annexed state of Crimea. It's not their fault, anyway. You, um, you know that there's a river in Crimea. Do you know where this is going? Do you know what it's called? Go on. Crimea River. <laughs> Crimea River. <laughs> that's a fact. Wow. That's a, and that's a, Justin Timberlake was in NSYNC. Sure, yeah. There's boy most, band theme to yeah. this. There's a lot of boy bands. Yeah. We look like we could all be in boy bands, really. I'm too fat. <laughs> anyway, before we get started properly and off boy bands, um, a wee bit of admin. Um, if you want to get in contact, ask us a question, tell us uh, any other boy bands you've loved over the years, um, you can find us on Facebook, just search Football Shed, or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, also, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, tell your mates so more people can hear us talk nonsense. And as always, we start with a question. So let's get on to the football. This week's question is about Everton, Jeff. So oh, it's going to be a good news story, I'm sure. I told you Burnley away was a bad game, didn't I, last <laughs> week? I said that is a terrible... Sorry, go on. <laughs> How many points per game has Marco Silva won since he's been in charge? Oh, good question. Well, I know that he has the worst points per game record of any Everton manager in the Premier League era. Wow. So so that's not a lot. No. Um, 1.2. 1.1. 1. 1. 1.3 is the answer. Oh. Sam Allardyce had 1.4. So get Big Sam back. It's pretty bad. It's so bad. <laughs> like, it's so bad. I told you. What's genuinely... 1.2 going to get you? Someone do the maths quickly. What, in a game? No, over a season. I mean, you average 44, 45. So you're going to be safe. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Living the dream being safe. For 250 million pounds or whatever he's, he's yeah. Marco Silva spent, like it's it's just... Well, I think that's the problem, isn't it? They've spent so much money that you expect something to happen. But in fact... It's a bit like United. Yeah. The thing is that they've done everything that you expect that you if there is a roadmap for progress as a football club so they've they've replaced an old um hierarchical structure with a director of football they've given them the the role of looking after all football you know you know they're a football person we always talk about you yeah. know yeah. you're a football man but 
he's a good one. Yeah, Marcel Brands. They've they've got a plan for the new stadium. They've got a big financial backer. They're 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 you know putting their money where their mouth is, but getting buying young players under the age of twenty five or you know who are getting picked for their nations. Like they're not playing their kids though, which I think is a mistake. No, that's that's true. And Everton's kids have won the Premier League two, whatever you call it, the under twenty ones thing. Yeah. For the last you know two out of the last three years, beating Man City. And they're not getting a game. The Kaiser. Like, What's happened to the Ketwig Kaiser? For everyone listening at home, that is Tom Davis. <laughs> uh, uh, he's just not getting a game, and he was captain. He was made captain towards the end of last last season, and he's just not even getting a game. It sort of gives you. you I think you're lacking a bit of uh, dynamism in in the middle. And we talked about Sigurdsson slowing things down. I'm like, well, just give him a bit of a run. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, there's so much wrong. But as I say, if you could tick the boxes. He's done everything that you need to do in order to progress as a football club, which means that, you know, it's not all the players' fault. No, I was going to say, on paper, they've done everything right, but they're just not getting results. And that strikes me as the manager's fault. That's exactly right. And uh, look, I'm not... What do you think on that? What, that it's the manager's fault? What, as a silver fan? Like, let's not forget, yes. like, there was a long period of time where you gushed about it. Like, it was to the point where you would almost blush when you yes. talked about him because oh, I loved you him. loved him so yeah. much. I, the relationship is over. Wow, okay. Um, I think he's had enough opportunities to prove that he's better than he's showing and he's not showing it. And I think just what Jeff's just said, everything's in place for... Everton to be perfect and being in the right position that Leicester are in right now and they're not doing it. And the only thing you can put that down to is the manager not being right. So That's the thing. It, it sounds like a, it's not all of the players' fault. You, the players do hold some of the blame. And there some, are some, some of the times holes that in, their, in their side. There, there are, but there are holes in most sides. The, the, you've got yeah. to think that the, the Everton's front four are excellent. Yeah. When they, they shouldn't be... But who are you, only who, creating like one shot per game. Who are you? Uh... Well, Calvert Lewin. That's the problem. But because Marco Silva's not playing Moise Kane, <clears throat> but he's a kid too. Like I know still... he's a kid, but you've got to change something. You've lost four games in a row, and you're going to start with the same starting yeah. lineup for three of them. That you've got to do something. And and Calvert Lewin has lots of good attributes. Yeah, but he's not a good player. Yeah, and he has just like Everton, he has all the ingredients to yeah. be good. But he's just not very good. Yeah. And he is probably a microcosm of the problem. I don't think you can build your team around him. No, you yeah. should, should never. Like yeah. he's, he's the next Denicha be. Yeah. He really is. He's going to disappear off the face of the earth and, and flitter down the, down the leagues. Um, on the next Denicha be, do you remember Sandro Ramirez? Uh, very much, yeah. He's still... Do you mean um, uh, surprise player of the season, <laughs> Sandro Ramirez? Yes, from two years ago. <laughs> um, as voted for by Jeff. Um, he's still an Everton player officially. Yeah, he is, yeah. We well, pay his wages. He's on loan at Valladolid. Yeah. Real Valladolid. Valladolid. Uh, Valladolid in Spain. Um, do you know how many games it's been since he scored a goal? Go on. 59. He hasn't wow. scored a goal since he was at Malaga before Everton. Where's he playing? No, he scored a goal at Everton in the Europa League. A goal. Oh, okay. I remember. Well, since then, then. But this is the uh, dubious goals panel. Took it off him. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. But yeah, 59 games. He's been on loan a couple of times and he's still not scored a yeah, goal. That's a shocker. And he's a striker. Now, like, I'm never, if, if you've listened to this long enough or you know me you know me personally, I'm never one to start talking about sacking managers unless they're just completely inept. Oh, wow. And, are you on the sack train? No, but the thing is, Marcus Silver isn't completely inept. So my usual stance should be okay, it's. Let's not overreact. It's been seven. 
Everton games. But the stats, they don't lie. Over the duration of his time in charge at Everton, he has the lowest points total we've had in the Premier League era. He has the lowest goals per game ratio that we have had since oh, like 1993 or something like that. It's it's very poor. Now, if you're watching Everton and you see these signs of life or, or things being tried, you can have patience. All you want to do is go home thinking that your team is making progress. You know, it sounds like a, a yeah, weird yeah. thing to say, but all you want to do is see it moving in the right direction. But you don't. It's just it's the same thing over and over again, and it's actually getting worse. Last question on Everton. It's the international break now. You've got two weeks. Do you fire Marcus Silva? Should, okay, should you? Not any, like what the club thinks or whatever, what would you do? Would you fire him? What I would do is get Rafa Benitez in. Ooh, ex-Liverpool. Isn't he getting paid huge amounts of money in China at the moment? Yeah, but we pay managers huge amounts of money. <laughs> we pay him six mil just to sack him. Like, we, you know, it'd be brilliant. Marcus it'd be probably the fifth, sixth highest paid manager in the Premier League. I mean, I think when Pellegrini took over at West Ham, he got the same amount of money. He's in the, in the same ballpark, but he's, in, he's a top six earner. Because Everton are putting everything in place to you know that when they pay compensation, That's what they to be. it's exactly right. Yeah. Can can you see Rafa go into Everton? Like, would Rafa be able to do that? Like, he lives still in Liverpool and he was a Liverpool manager. Well, then so. surely that makes it easier for him. Like the fact the fact that he could go to Newcastle. You know, I know it's I know it's not the same. If you went straight from Liverpool to Everton, no, you couldn't do it. What about Jose Mourinho? I genuinely he would, he would never do it. Do you not think? Whereas whereas Benitez. Obviously, we know that his, you know, his kids and his wife are settled in the UK. Kids are at school. He, he's very a community man. Never wanted to leave. Were back against the wall. All he wanted from Newcastle was the infrastructure that Everton have put in place. You know, you know, the drive to go. You know, back me. This is how a big club works, and I want you to facilitate it. Everton, they're already there, but the performances are so turgid. That if it was me, if it was up to me, I'd, I'd be on the phone going, look, you didn't want to go to China anyway. We'll pay you compo, just like we did Marco Silva. Come back and organise. Wasn't compo a character in The Last Summer Wine? Compo? Yeah, wasn't I'm, he the old bloke? That's Aust- it's a, sorry, that's Australian for compensation. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> so so if, it was me, if, it was, if it was me, that's what I'd do, even though I'm not up for sacking. I just don't see him. What's done it for me is not changing. Okay. What's done it for me is losing not scoring many goals and not changing what you do, it makes me think like like you've lost your way. Yeah, fair enough. Let's go from Marco Silva earning 1.3 points per game to Liverpool winning three points per game. Um, they've now gone eight games unbeaten at the top of the league. They beat Leicester. Um, but before we go on to the actual game, have Liverpool already won the league? They're eight points clear of Man City. The maximum points you can get is 114 I can't see Liverpool getting 100 points. I can see them getting 98. So they're going to drop 16 points at some Sorry, point. You, you can't see them getting... That was outrageous to get 100, but you can see them getting 98. Oh, yeah. Hundreds <laughs> <laughs> is just too far. But I can, they got 99 last yeah, year, yeah. They? they? got 97 last year, I think. Okay. It's way too early. Like we, yeah. uh, after, I think it was over Christmas last year, Liverpool went seven points clear. And we talked about it. Is this the? It might have even been nine points. Yeah. Um. And we said, you know, is is this the end of it? And then Man City went on a, you know, seventeen, 17 game, game winning win run, and caught it up. Like, no, it's it, Man City are too good. A there's flaws in the Man City team, but I think 
you know, what if Liverpool get a couple of injuries um, to to key players like a, a Van Dijk or a or a Salah? I, no way can you say it's over yet for me. Okay, but even though there is eight points between them, and there's also eight points between um, Man City and Newcastle in sixteenth, does that matter? No, no, because you're comparing Man City and Newcastle. Like Man City have the they've got some issues with injury at the moment, and I think they've been exposed for. You know, we talked about if Pep has one flaw, perhaps it's so much faith in his philosophy that sometimes he's not pragmatic enough. <clears throat> that applies to who he signs. He like, signs players in the positions he wants, not just doesn't like to sign centre backs. Like so, Jesus, he's like Jesus. Like Jesus, <laughs> too much faith. Right, or George Michael, what, or George Michael. Jesus didn't have faith. People had faith in him. No, I wasn't using it like a religious faith. Like a, he just knows what he knows his shit, doesn't he, Jesus? You don't argue with him. Oh, okay, because he's Jesus. Can you? I don't think. Can you write off a team like Man City? I just well, no, I, 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 like. I feel like Liverpool at the moment have they're on a roll and they found a way to win. And we talked the, we talked about them doing this last year at the end of the year when they were being scratchy but still finding ways to win yep. whereas Man City have this ability because of the way they play to just steamroller teams and Liverpool are still continuing it like they weren't Leicester completely neutralised Liverpool I thought the weekend and played really well but Liverpool found a way to win they went from 3-0 up to drawing 3-0 with Salzburg in midweek in the Champions League and then like you know recovered their composure and, and found a winner so I feel like they're finding a way but I just they because of the way they play, partly, but also because they just don't—they don't have that ability like Man City to steamroller teams. I think they'll have a sticky patch at some point, and I could easily see them dropping a few points. I agree, Roger. I, I, it's just so early. Like we, the people get so carried away with things so quickly, and and yes, it's a big gap. As you say, they threw away that big gap, and Liverpool. If we know anything about it, they, they can be bottlers. Yeah. That's, that's oh a, God, that's so harsh. Sorry. <laughs> but, but there are um, examples. Well, exactly. Like, yeah. there are examples of Everton being constantly underwhelming in the same way there are examples of Liverpool bottling it. Like, the, the, these are the facts. Well, okay, I'll interject with a question um, from New on Facebook. He says, I think Arsenal, Man City, and others are playing for one title. Have teams like Man City given up on the Premier League because basically they just want to win the Champions League like he's saying maybe Man City have taken their eye off the ball in the cha- um, Premier League because everything's about the Champions no, League I, I, sorry I disagree with that because I don't think that kind of cognitive approach is reality in footballers you prepare for your next game yeah so I, I don't I don't you know the kind of the overarching principle of it, you can give up a cup competition. I get that you can play, you can play kids, nine kids, and yeah. and uh, coming back from fitness centre forward. I get that that's giving up on a competition. But Man City are playing their strongest team in the Premier League. The thing is, Guardiola's stubbornness means that Fernandinho is at the back. And of all of the coaches, I would have expected him to trust in Man City's youth. I would have expected that you know he played a um a centre back in the Garcia. Yeah, who absolutely supposedly I didn't Brilliant. I didn't, I didn't yeah. watch him personally, but I heard great reports of how composed he was. Why wouldn't he start him in the Premier League? You know, I get that it's for Man City, but you're doing that or playing a Kyle Walker. So so you know, 
player out of position. Or playing Fernandinho, Fernandinho, player out of position. So why wouldn't he do that? And he's playing a right back at left back. Like Zinachenko has yeah. been really good as a stand-in yeah. left back, albeit he's a midfielder. But then he played the new signing from Cancelo. Yeah, um, uh, uh, he's a right back, and he played him at left back, and he looked yeah. really uncomfortable. Yeah. And then so he switched him over. But it's just, it just seems to make these slightly odd defensive decisions. But I also think there's a couple of. Uh, you know, bigger things further forward. And I think Leroy Sané is a big miss in terms of a player that can come on and just change a game and do something a bit different to standard Guardiola players. Like he, you know, he's got a sort of a model of player that he loves that are all very, very neat and tidy on the ball. They can, uh, they've got good movement, they're intelligent, they can pass the ball. But Sane's just got that raw pace and can you know, just take someone just on. take someone on. There are yeah. a few times last year where they weren't in. Remember, there was one in the Champions League. Yeah, and he came. Schalke. Yeah, he came on late in the game, got two late goals, just that changed the tie. And so I think he's out for. Uh, a while, a while, like at least yeah. after Christmas. Yeah. So I think that's quite yeah. a big miss for them. Without falling into the trap of just talking about how poor decisions were on Man, Man City side, the Wolves beat them. I know. Yeah. Well, I know. I know and they seem like... to play really well against Man City. Like we've seen it absolutely right times last year as well. And, and what a tactical masterclass from Nuno. Like we were mm. talking about Guardiola's um, frailties, but Nuno started with Chouré at right back, right wing back, right yeah. wing back. He's been playing right, back all, for, all for 60 minutes. And then when he made his, his substitution, he put him up front. And then suddenly his pace was just like, yeah. it, it was deafening. You know, so if you're going to look at Otamende and go, Otamende? Otamendi. Otamendi. <laughs> Otamendi. <laughs> if you're going to look at Otamendi and, and go, okay, well, let's just put the fastest man in the world up against him. Not Usain Bolt. He's not far like, off, though. But he's so quick and better it, at football than Usain Bolt. It does strike me. Is that the way to beat Man City? Is just hold on for an hour. Wait for them to be knackered. Find the Theo Walcott equivalent <laughs> and just go play up front and well, just run. I mean, it worked. Yeah. Although I was nervous about both of his finishes. Oh, like, definitely. You, you, can, <laughs> you can say that. I mean, they are great goals. But you could see it go really wrong. Oh, they're one of those that you kind of wrap your foot around it. Yeah. And it kind of swings out then in over the shoulder of the goalkeeper. And you're like... It's perfect. You scored the perfect goal, but mate, there's no need. Yeah. Like, don't do it like that. Um, I just that Otamendi's not good enough. I don't think. It's a no, bit, particularly with um, you know Stones, but more Laporte being injured, and all of a sudden Otamendi's your number one defender. You're building the rest of the defense around. It's just he's not he's not good enough. Um, moving on to Liverpool. Liverpool beat Leicester with a 95th minute penalty. Big question: Was it a penalty? Yes. See, I don't think it was. Why not? Um, he went down <laughs> way easy. Man, they definitely made the most of he it. He made yeah. a massive meal of it. Like it's Maybe because I wanted Liverpool to not win, but it's so frustrating because Old Brighton runs back, wins the ball, does great. He could do anything. Like He could just fall over, he can kick it, do whatever. It's no danger. For some reason, he decides in his own six-yard box, I'm going to turn and come back into play and then gives it away. He touches him, but Mane just falls over. It's not if if it wasn't given a penalty, VAR would not have overturned it. And he's given it. It's such a weak penalty. But isn't that it, okay? So this is um okay. I don't want to. Uh, mm. I'm going to find it hard to articulate this point. Okay, so so I'm going to fumble my way through it. But this is the good thing about VAR. Okay, it is still human beings making decisions, and they can still be wrong. Yes, it, the you know the VAR 
the video assistant referee did not go and say that's not a penalty. He went, okay, well, you saw what you saw. We saw the same thing. If you deem it's penalty, you deem it's penalty. VAR wouldn't overturn it because it's not, and they wouldn't give it because it was, because it was such a 50-50 decision that a human being is better than a machine at making that decision. So that you can't feed in parameters to this machine and have it spit out whether it's penalty or not. So the good thing about the way VAR has been set up, unlike rugby or tennis or all of these things that we aspire yeah. to for its its you know legitimacy, actually, we're still having the conversation that we promised and feared that we would never have. We're still going, was it a penalty? Wasn't it a penalty? Should it have been given? We're still disagreeing, yeah. which is the beauty of football, even though we have VAR. It wasn't a penalty. That's well, a but then I also, well, no, there's some things I really don't like about VAR in that, in that for some rules, they're applying it in that sense. But yet for other rules, even though the technology isn't accurate enough to be definitive, they're saying, no, it's definitive. So I don't like that for some rules it is definitive and for some it's not. I just think that's an issue. But we'll go on to VAR. But the, um, there's a stat I saw about Liverpool that really surprised me. Um, and I think it's coupled with United's um, downward spiral. But it's the 34th time that Liverpool have scored a 90th minute onwards winner in Premier League history. Wow. Uh, which is nine more than any other side. Now, I can't wow. believe that with Fergie time. Yeah. Like, it's, he made a whole career out of that. I feel That's like this fact must be wrong. Did you say last minute winner or last last minute goal? Like, no, no. So a goal... In from, injury time. Yeah, from 90th minute onwards. That won them the game or the, just a goal? Uh, winner. Wow, that's amazing. That that's is amazing. Mm. Uh, do you know, I, I, I'm just going to try and outstat you here. Uh, <laughs> do you know the last time Mo Salah lost at Anfield? When he was playing for Chelsea? When he was playing for Chelsea. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. That's well, pretty good. They've, they've got this... And Klopp was a good manager for them because he, he saw his he does his yeah. celebration at the end. Yeah, and he gets and his fist in it. Everybody loves gets him. Gets his teeth like, out. Yeah. Friend of the pod, Dirk, <laughs> like just absolutely. He's a big Liverpool yeah. fan, and you can just see he just he absolutely loves Klopp. But I think that there is they've got this aura at the moment about them, particularly at Anfield, and it's hard to go. You know, in games like the Barcelona one, obviously, um, you know, add to this. Um, the, the, this mystique and the, and the myth of you know you can't beat them but they just keep getting it done but i just feel like at some point if you're not playing great football that does stop and yeah. they haven't they haven't played great football so far this year but, but they're then still finding what if they win. start playing great football well, because exactly. what, yeah. if they suddenly find a bit of form then they could be great and i I've, do you think right now that mane is better than salah like I think Mane, that finish was brilliant, and he's just turning up and scoring. Maybe, every... but I think um, Bobby Firmino might be better than both of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. So it's, I, I think the thing about Liverpool at the moment, as well with this, is they've got multiple ways to win a game. So we talked about you know United's weakness in terms of essentially Solskjaer went really well against Chelsea and had you know one way. But the thing about Liverpool at the moment, yes, you know they've got well documented press and it's brilliant and it's like having another way of being creative through the press but then they've got an amazing front three and one of them on their day can win the game yeah. and then you've got two rampaging fullbacks that can you know Trent as an Arnold is a playmaker essentially at right back mm. so he can he can get you a goal the amount of times it's... Robertson in that game ended up in the penalty box yeah. you're just like where did he and, just, and, and just then those in. those kids have the balance of looking over their shoulder and seeing James Milner 
Yeah. And, yeah. and that... How good was his ball for um, the first Ma- goal? Oh, for yeah. goal. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, but the it's the experience he brings. And we talk about these ambiguous kind yeah. of character traits in football and how much they matter. But when you're a kid, when you're a Robertson and you know that you're having the time of your life and then you look over and James Milner's there telling you where to go, yeah. you just listen yeah. and he, he calms you down. And when it's one all... And there's five minutes to go, he calms you down. And that's what you need as a young player. So when you're going to blood in these young players and have this young team that's really exciting, you keep the James Milners and the Hendersons. And and they, though they might not perform, I mean, Milner, his penalty was great. I love the celebration. Good on him. But though they might not do that every week, the having them there as leaders on the field is so important to these young players. What a sign-in he's been as well. They're just... They signed him so as a past-it player, yeah. and he's just been brilliant. Yeah. Um, one other thing I had on Liverpool is whether Adam Lallana is a complete knob. Um, I put that in the rotting order just because he got in a fight with the Iosi Perez at the end of the game. And everything you hear about Lallana is easy. Handbags at dawn? Yeah. Do you know, I, I think he is. I think he's def- definitely high on the twat scale. Yeah. Um, I think that Madison's high on the twat scale oh, too. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like, I like them. They're both such good players, but they're very similar players. Yeah. So maybe that kind of attribute as a player makes you a twat. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, where, you... I mean, I think there's something in that because they, <laughs> something uh... that there's nothing in that. <laughs> well, no, there is. In that, I think if football, you would characterize both those players as having natural ability in that football comes fairly easily to them. Yeah, or that, that's, fair point, no. that's the impression yeah. that you get. So they haven't necessarily had to work for it. It's they're talented. And mm. I think that you are prone to being more of a dickhead if you haven't had to try for something. You've always been the best. You've got you've been told you're the best constantly yeah. your whole life. Yeah. And then you earn millions being the best at what you do. You're going to be it's a It's like reinforcing. <laughs> but, you know, there, is a, there is a reason why Gareth Southgate has not played Madison yet. I, I totally agree. Uh, and, you is know, that because Matt- he doesn't fit his mould, do you think? Or? Because he's a twat. Mm. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's just, I think it's purely personality. Like, I mean, obviously, disclaimer, this is my opinion, yeah. and please don't sue us. But, <laughs> but, but Madison was picked for the under-21s, and I think he, when Southgate was coach, and something happened on a training camp when he either went out past curfew or he did something he didn't like. And ever since then, Southgate has always been a bit, nervous around him a bit like I'm not sure I want to pick this guy because he wants everyone in the team to be like we're in 100% this is it Um, I think Madison's playing so well at the moment he's going to force his way into the England team but I think Southgate's making a point of going you have to prove it to me and show you're committed and actually who's the world would back Southgate so has achieved a lot, or at least gained a lot of respect as England manager. And actually, who's best placed to understand who would upset the apple cart? Southgate. So if you go, this guy is just like rewarding this behaviour, though you might be talented and skilled and gifted, if I reward you for the behaviour that you're displaying, what, what impression am I giving to everyone else that's allowed? No. I can't, just because you're that good doesn't mean I can let go of the problems. And you hope it makes him pull his head in and like keep concentrating on the bit he's doing well, which is the playing football, yeah. and realise that maybe, you know leave that stuff to the side a bit and I might I might get in the squad and get a chance for England. So we should probably just have like a twatometer and and by oh, the yeah. end of the year see whether Adam, Adam Milana or Madison tops the, the They're the both twat very scale. near the top right <laughs> yeah. now. Um, let's move on. Now, I wanted to frame these Man United and Chelsea in a bit of a different way this week. I predicted as my wild card at the start of the season that one of Chelsea or Man United would finish in the bottom half. 
and I'm looking quite good at the moment with Man United as they sit in 12th, two points off the relegation zone. Um, but I had a look at their teams because Chelsea and Man United also have young ex-player managers. Played each other on the first day. Played each other on the first day, Man United won 4-0. And they're in theory playing a lot of young players. Like that's the They're playing some people coming through and all their youth players and stuff and how it's going. But I looked at the Chelsea and Man United teams and their youth team players. I've written all down on the back. I've got a whole sheet of paper here. Um, how many games they've actually played as first team footballers. Man United had four first-team players that were products of their youth academy. Chelsea had five. One, two, yeah, five. Chelsea players have played 493 first-team games. Man United have played 327. 150 of them are Rashford. So, whoa. Mm. Cha- the Chelsea players like actually played a lot of games. So, Zuma, Tamori, Mount, Abraham and Hudson-Odoi have all played a decent amount of games. Whereas- Albeit at lower leagues, but... Yeah, well, whether Zuma Zuma's been around the houses, isn't he? Yeah, and whether it's lower leagues, but it's that first team experience. Like yeah. Mount played for Vitesse Arman in Belgium, Holland. Tammy Abraham's done two stints in the Championship, Bristol City and Villa. Yeah, yeah, and he played for Swansea. And so they've got that game experience. And then on the subs bench, Man United had Chong, Greenwood, and Gomez. Between them, they've played seventeen games. <laughs> Chelsea had Pulisic, who's I know not a Chelsea product, but he's twenty-one years old. He's a kid, and James. They've played 172 games between them. So I think, yes, they're both trying to play youth, get youth team players coming through, but actually the Chelsea team's doubly experienced as to what the Man United team is. I just think it's... I completely get your point. It, um, you'd say that the United team has more top-flight games, so they're more, they're more used to games in the Premier League. The, yeah, the maybe, Abrahams yeah. and the Mounts do account for quite a lot of those appearances, I would assume. Yeah, um, well, the, the, to get the number... Zoom has played 198 Tomori, 84, Mount, 74, Abraham, 121. But again, what of those has been in the Premier League? No, and, it, and it's you. different. But it's still playing games, though. Yeah, like of course, the, yeah. The Championship, you know, as a young player, I think the Championship is a, is a great way to blood young players in because it's, it's, you know, it's all those things that, like the physical nature of the game and you know it's it's like it's quite tough in the championship it's very even and i just sort of feel like that as a young player those sort of aspects of the game you've probably already got the technical ability which is why you've been signed by a premier league club so i think some of the things that you can get at lower league football will then stand you in good stead for the premier league yeah i i do agree with you and i also think that there's a different pressure in the championship because you know if you get relegated, people lose their jobs. Mm. So if you get relegated from the Premier League, if you're you're Swansea or West Brom relegated like 600 times, not got much lower than the championship yeah. and then come back up again. No one, you know, the, the dinner lady doesn't lose her job. Yeah. If you get relegated from the championship, it is a completely different structure in League One and League Two. And in the championship, players generally have one or two year contracts. Like it's only in the Premier League that people get five, six year contracts. Mm. You get... One year, two years, so you're playing for your career. So the guy in this room sat next to you is going, you better turn up because I need to get another contract. This is you. my job, yeah. yeah. It's my job. It's the only job I've got. And the boot man has been doing my boots. And if we go down, he gets the sack and he's my uncle. Yeah. Do, <laughs> do you know, I was going to talk about something similar with this, um, which was the another. Th- I was sort of, I suppose I was thinking about United a bit. I was reveling in their um, downward <laughs> spiral. But I was also thinking about... You know some of the 
the the why why has this happened and um, what can they do to change it but I was also thinking in terms of the young players I think it's much easier to blood players in and get young players to start playing more games and performing from being in a winning position Mm. to try and ask a bunch of young players to come in which is essentially what United are doing. And save the and club. And be the ones that are turning things around. Even Daniel James, like yep. we talk, he's essentially part of that. Like he's a kid mm. and he's unproven, but you're almost just a shining light. I think to try and ask those players to come in and be the ones that turn thing around, turns things around is a massive ask. Whereas I think um, it, everyone talks about class of 92, uh, can't win anything with kids, da 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 Actually... They had all played a lot of games before they came in yeah. and all played together in the United first team. And they had Eric Cantona. And, and they had other players Rocky, around them. And and you yeah, you Michael, had that winning culture. I think the difficulty for United is at the moment is that's that's not there. And we were talking about this at the weekend, John, and you, you're, um, you, know, you made a comment that one of the difficulties might be is that these younger players don't get that winning habit and they actually learn to, to lose. lose. Yeah. Which they learn to be cool with it. That's and that is like I, I blew my mind in a way because I still think of United as being United that win everything, and to have United mm. players that being their attitude, I just was like, this, this changed Rash, so much. But it's right. Rashford's like, hundred and fifty games. Mm. He's not been in a in a serial winning side in that hundred and fifty games. So he's no. your most experienced of that age group, and he's a loser. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, but yeah, you're right. He's used to losing. Solskjaer's first. Uh, Seven, eleven games, whatever yeah. it was, when he went on his Labrador um, yeah, run. Yeah, Labrador run. Uh, 82.3% winning ratio. Nice. Very good. Uh, since then, uh, or his, in his time in charge, so that in, actually counts that, it's now at 475 which is the worst since Dave Sexton in 1977-81. It's a real problem. But I just don't... Is the solution getting rid of Solskjaer? No. I don't know. No, but there's, there is... Yeah, there is no solution. It's you, just... Start again. Like your position's very different to the position... Well, we, you know, we just described Everton's position, what they've done to the football club. You, mm. You're at the beginning of that journey. It's like you've been putting off making these decisions from a hierarchical point of view... That that now it's such a mess that, that a new manager is not the it's not yeah, a new manager is not going to change anything because there's no desire to do those decision big decisions at the top level. Yeah. there's no kind of passion to go. Oh, let's change it round and let's try this, try that, and bring in a director of football. There's just no interest in it. They don't care. They want to make money. Um, the last thing I wanted to say on the um when I looked up all the players, you know Pereira, who's awful. Yeah. <laughs> Like proper essentially awful. just crap. Yeah, played eighty six games. What? In his not for you? For, no, across uh, he's only played about fifteen for United. He's played for Valencia and Granada in Spain on yeah. loan. One game for Brazil. He's played what? for the Brazilian first team. He was born wow. in Belgium to Brazilian parents. I was like, when did he get a Brazilian cap? That's weird. Oh, wow. Um, to defend United. So we, you sure? Well, a little bit. So, I, well, I just saw this and it interested me. So, um, obviously, uh, Maddie Longstaff um, scored the goal. Yeah, the beat. 
Man United. Uh, beat Man United for Newcastle. Um, Sean Longstaff, who looked quite good in patches last year, mm. Man United, it was well publicised, were chasing him at the start of the year. Now, sorry, the reason I bring this up is because we're talking about young players. Last week we talked about United. Why didn't they sign more players? Because his squad's rubbish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just but, a quick synopsis there, right? They, <laughs> they looked at trying to sign Sean Longstaff. Yeah. Now, the negotiations with Newcastle, straight away Newcastle said, okay, 50 million. Yeah. And United said, well, hold on, that's a lot of money. And they said, well, it is, but you just paid £55 million for Aaron Wambaseka, who is the same age, 21. Um, Sean Longstaff had only played 13 games for Newcastle, which is not very many. But Wambaseka had only played 31 for Palace. And so... They, yeah. you know, that that rationale to me for, makes total for, sense. Yeah. Sort of stacked up, but United just went. Well, that is a huge amount of money for an unproven player, and it is. And I, I sort of, I thought about that, and I was like, well, maybe that that's a big risk. So I know that we criticise um, Woodward for only thinking about the financials and what have you, but you know, f- to pay f- fifty million, like oh, fifty million, is so much money for a thirteen-game player. Mm. Like, I, I think but, I would have said no. Yeah, but this is the problem that Longstaff would not have solved your problems at United. No. No. It would have just been another kid that we're saying doesn't have it on on, on their shoulders. The- That's and because you're Man United, you get charged a premium. So yeah, you, exactly. you, you yeah. come in for the Harry Man Maguire. Tax. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you pay eighty million for Harry Maguire. But if you're going to go for, we want to aim at youth and make us build us up from youth, but we're then hoping that these youth players are Ryan Giggs and Paul Scholes and Roy Keane, and they're just not. They're 13 game kids. They're Calvert Lewins. Yeah. <laughs> but stop just buying who was good last year in the Premier League. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not fantasy football, yeah. which is essentially what's been going on. Like, Longstaff, great. He's had 13 good games in Newcastle. 15 minutes. Oh, Man United I think he, could be, like, he could be good, nonsense. though. But you've also had a few injuries. I just, the only other thing with Man United Chelsea, on the. Since that first game, I think you've had a fair few players that haven't played much. So I think Martial has been a really big miss for you because I think him and Rashford, I saw him and Rashford as being critical to your chances this year, and he's just been injured. Um, seems to get injured a bit. Uh, and also, what's happened to Wembasaka? He's injured as well. He's injured as well. So I just, yeah. I just, and Pogba's been in and out. So I think so. You know, to top it all, you haven't had much continuity. But you've you've loaned Sanchez off, so that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't that have been helpful? Interestingly, on the injury thing, Solskjaer came in and said the team wasn't fit enough, so worked them really hard in pre-season. Great. Everyone who's injured has got a muscle injury. So it's not like... (laughs) Accidental, like a broken leg or my cruise shit's gone or whatever. It's training load. It overworked. I pulled a muscle. So So... but Massive problem. Look, he's managed Cardiff in mould. Yeah, like mold. what are they call <laughs> yeah mould, 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 isn't it? Yeah. So like, so you know, he's not experienced in pre-season at the no, intensity no, level that you need to be at Manchester level. United. No. It's just and not. You need to train that that much in Norway. It's freezing. Molder play in the Norwegian league. That league's ranked the twenty fifth best in Europe. So that's his experience of being the twenty fifth best league in Europe. He went pretty well at Cardiff, didn't but he? But can I just say, <laughs> did, he, did, did he win the league at Mold? Once in six years. Yeah, and they won the league the year after he left. Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't speak volumes to the man, does it? No. Anyway, so I'm not. I'm not well, just no, kicking no, the boot no. in. I just don't think that he. Oh, oh, we've spoken about this yeah. at length. Let's go on to Newcastle. Can we before we move off that? The ch- we were going to talk. We were talking about Chelsea, or do you want to talk about Newcastle? No, Newcastle. Game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just because Newcastle beat Man United and actually were good, and I just didn't see that coming. And 
is Steve Bruce a tactical genius no. by playing a kid? No. Or was he really lucky and Man United a crap? I think no, no, Man United no. a crap. No. But yeah. the, do you know the really odd thing about this game was that I watched the I watched the, the highlights and the mini-match yeah. of this one just because I was interested to... And like Newcastle actually dominated the game. They like It wasn't just that they got a lucky goal. It was like Man United had no shots. Newcastle legitimately... Like we're the better team and deserve to win, which I just and Newcastle are crap. Yeah, that's Wait, like really, really, really the, worrying signs for United. I went to bed, didn't bother watching it. Woke up, saw the score, and went. Well, it's not surprising. Predictable. Yeah. Um, Chelsea beat Southampton four-one. Who are the team with young kids that are actually doing well? What were you going to say, Jeff? Yeah, just a few. Th- I mean, it's you want to f- talk about Super Tammy, don't you? Well, I mean, Tammy's been great. Yeah. Uh, I. I was loved love to see him back you get on the score sheet great finish yeah. um mason mount again yeah. excellent like i for the first time in a very very long time i would probably say a decade for the first time in a decade i enjoy watching chelsea play football hell yeah like i they're kind of like a, a second favorite team which i feel really it's like a guilty pleasure because i'm like isn't it? Oh, where's john terry is he going to yeah. pop his head up at some point but you know you wake up in the morning and you go which mini match should i watch first which one should i watch and i try and watch them without watching the knowing the scores so i'm like pick which one i went for chelsea this week i was just like yeah i'm going to pick chelsea because it will be an entertaining game and it was brilliant and it'll be good to watch i didn't go man city i didn't go man united i didn't go liverpool i went i want to watch chelsea first and that says a lot, I think. The last time I enjoyed Chelsea, they had Duff, Robin, Drogba. And bef- and that was only a, a fleeting relationship I had with them. Before that, I just... Yeah. It was when Zola left, I, I was bored. Now, I, I genuinely enjoy it. Yeah. And uh, Pulisic came on for 10 minutes at the end. He set up Batshuayi's goal at the end and did well for 10 Great minutes. Yeah. Like, he's a good player, Pulisic. Yeah, I wanted to bring up him because... A lot of the media saying, oh, he should be better. He paid 58 million for him. He's 21. He's a kid. He's moved country. And it takes a while for people to settle in. And he's got Willian, Pedro, Hudson-Odoi, Mount. Ahead. There's a lot of players who play in his positions that are playing ahead of him. So I think everyone should just chill out. How was Hudson-Odoi? Good. He wasn't massively effective, but he was good. Um, I worry. I worry because... It, um. Prior to his injury, it was, it was like the most captivating explosion onto the scene we'd all seen. It, it was, it was like waiting for a Star Wars movie. Do you, yeah. do you know, what I mean? like the, the anticipation was building, was building, and every time he had, he had ten minutes on the pitch, it was so exciting. He was taking players on. He was like making these youthful, enthusiastic decisions. And then he got his England call up, and it, it was this wave that I loved. And then Bayern Munich won him, and then he got injured. And I worry because he did his, he did his was it excruciate? Yeah. No, no, he did an ankle. Okay. But it's been, a long, it's been a long injury though. Yeah. yeah. So I worry that when you come off such a crescendo and you have such a long injury, whether he's going to come back with the same pace and attitude or whether that injury has affected his mentality, it's made him complacent. I'm not, I just worry that what we saw before was a, a fleeting moment in time and, and what we're going to get post-injury no. isn't the same. I think he's brilliant. Yeah, I, just, I think he'll just need a few games class. to get up to speed again and then yeah. we'll see it back. I think England in the future will be Hudson-Odoi one side, Jadis Jansho oh, on the other side, exciting. Phil Foden just behind and then... If Phil Foden ever gets a game. Yeah, which will never happen. But the, the only um, other thing with Chelsea, I want have they sort of lucked out? Is Lampard good? 
have we given him enough credit or has he lucked out a bit in some of the teams that, that we expected to be around them are faltering a bit? So it's almost taken the pressure off Chelsea a bit in terms of their performances. And I, like they they could actually go and grab one of these Champions League places, I think, because I think they'll get better as the season goes on because they've got a new manager. A lot of these players, although they've all been at Chelsea for a while, a lot of them never really played together or haven't much. Mm. And they're also you know younger players. And I think as they play together more we will see Chelsea get better. So I sort of wonder, because some of these other bigger teams have had a bad start, I think it actually really helps Chelsea because they've got they've still got upside. I think Chelsea genuinely have a free hit all yeah. season because there's the transfer ban, it's Frank Lampard, whatever happens, happens. And they've just kind of like, uh, what's his name? Abramovich doesn't care anymore. So they've got a season to just go... Give Which it takes the, to completely takes the pressure off. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing, and I struggle with this. When you say, is he any good? Like, is he good at what? What are we judging him against? And don't say being a football manager. I get that's his job. But <laughs> as these ex-players who go straight into big jobs. Okay, so when we've, we were just speaking about Nuno at Wolves, making a, yeah. a tactical masterclass, a substitution, right wing back going up front. You know, we just spoke about that. Does Frank Lampard have that? Can he do that? We won't know until he plays big enough games that matter enough. Well, so, so is he any good? At what I don't know yet. He he, yeah. he can pick. And he's a, a he young can, coach, so we don't. But, I mean, you might learn more. Essentially, all I know about him now is he can pick a starting eleven. He can pick the best eleven he's got, and when someone's knackered, he swaps them. And in the championship playoffs last year, he made bad substitute decisions in important, in very important, important, game, important yeah. games. However. When you do it first time round, you're probably going to make mistakes. Yeah. So that doesn't mean your second time round's good either. Like no, it's a but career. It, yeah. So yeah. in your first year in your job, are you any good? No, you might have a good year. Yeah. But are you any good at it? You no. talk to yourself in 20 years and look back at the decisions you made and go, oh. I'm not yeah. saying that we should wait till everyone's an old dinosaur. I'm just saying that whether he's good or not, we're never we going to have know. any insight into that. And Ollie has had. We have insight into the fact that he's shit. Well, that's it. He's had so much more experience, so we probably know he's shit. Yeah, yeah. That's he's fun. landed the, one of the biggest jobs in the world. It's madness that bloke. Um, let's move on to another team that's struggling, which is Spurs. They lost to Brighton, and not just a little bit. They lost three nil and were tonked. smashed. They were tonked. Um, Rod, you and I watched this game. Um, Brighton were just way better, like hungrier. Yeah, that the bit that really surprised the bit that really surprised me. That was that was quite, hungry, quite sexual. Being hungry, <laughs> a little bit disturbing. Guilty pleasure. Uh, that was the bit that really surprised me on this game. Was well, I mean, one Brighton looked quite good, um, but the thing that I was most surprised about was Spurs have just lost seven two in the Champions League at home. You would expect them to come out in the next game and be absolutely up for it yeah. and and be be hungry and you know all Got those all those non-negotiable yeah. things like yeah. forget about whether they're playing well effort you would expect to be there it wasn't like they just look like i saw the brighton press the brighton press was great like we'll, um mm. we'll talk about brighton in terms of the way they play yeah. being a bit different but they play this sort of um a, it's like a three-quarter press 
So they let the opposing team have the ball up until um, between the 18-yard box and the halfway line. Ah, so that's when they set the trap. And then, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's when they set the trap. That's when they press. But it's like consistently, that's where they actually sort of set their line to lead the press. Um, And occasionally one player might come out from that, but generally they will be quite disciplined in holding that position on the pitch and then press. But I saw that and I saw, and they did that really well and they kept winning the ball back there and then being, you know, in good attacking positions. But when we think of the good Spurs teams over the last few years, the, you know, Pochettino's press is a big part of his game. It's not there. And to me, like that's not, that's not coaching or the, or the players that's, there's something there mentally that is meaning they're not not engaged with, with yeah. the way they're playing. And if you're if you believe in the scenario, you believe in what you're doing, and you believe that what these managers telling you is the best thing to do, you'll run and run and run and run. As soon as you're at ninety five percent at the top level, that's a huge drop off. It's not yeah. enough. Yeah, and it enough. looks a bit crap, and you kind of go, "Shall I?" Well, if I don't run, if I run, then he might not, and then we look crap, so I'm not going to run, and then he doesn't run because, oh, he hasn't run, and then everyone looks at each other and goes, oh, no, we'll just wait here, and then we'll press later on, and then you lose the whole momentum. Two two things. Firstly, Rog, I owe you an apology. Wow. I know. (laughs) I took this at you last week for your defence of Tottenham saying that Bayern Munich scored really good goals so it was okay, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I read another article this week of someone that echoed your opinion okay. <laughs> <laughs> basically don't be too hard on them all the goals were excellent that was their argument because the stats go they didn't have too many that like the shots yeah. weren't uneven but this is completely different this was completely different yeah. can you talk me through their formation how did that work so Brighton play 4-2-2-2 two, two, two. and so what they call it is a box midfield so you have two strikers Four flat back four, and then you have four midfielders almost playing a box. You have two defensive midfielders and then two wide midfielders, but they're not really wide. And they'll make space and go wide, but as soon as they need to, they'll drop in. So they kind of go in. They, they If you were playing um, Champman and you had them as wide, you'd have them with Ar- arrows, arrows going pointing in. straight yeah, into okay. the so middle of the park. As soon as they're active, they're moving inside. Whereas and you would have the strikers' arrows going the other way. So the strikers yes. start narrow, but will run the channels. And go so right, they overlap. Okay. No, yeah, so the, the strikers go out to the corners and then the mid, the wide midfielders point in. And do the two defensive midfielders stay they, in a line? They, 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 they stay basically stay still. Yeah. And they win the ball, stay still. And so you had Aaron Moy, who played very well. And I can't remember who played. Christian Gross. Christian Gross. So essentially you've got, you know, the Pascal team Gross. Pascal Gross. Christian Gross. Christian Gross is the old Spurs <laughs> manager, yeah. Uh, but Pascal, and they, you know, they could almost, in, they interchanged a few times. And they're both obviously creative players, but a lot of the times they would cut in. So Moy was generally mm. playing on the left of midfield, wide left as a right footer. But wide left, but then coming into a number 10, essentially yeah. yes. behind two strikers. Yes. Yeah. So you kind of create that kind of extra man in midfield when either at a t- so it, it kind of sways from left to right. So you add the extra third man and you have an spare. Did man it ever one. feel unbalanced? No, it worked really. It's very hard to play, and if you get it right, it's brilliant. But you have to have a very good coach, which is why Graham was great. Yeah. yeah, Moy had an excellent game. So a lot he was, I thought, and he hasn't actually played that many games this year for Brighton. Has he only second the last, start? Or? Yeah, the last two. So I thought he was critical to the way that they played, and a lot of the times he would get the ball wide left, but then he would make some space and cut in, and then he would um, completely so they sort of overload left, but then there's space out on the right. 
And he would then spread the ball right over to the far side to the fullback coming up. And then, you know, there's loads of space and they're sort of on. And then he so, comes so back In that formation, I'm assuming the fullbacks have to just go length of the pitch all day. Well, no, they don't go too far because they the strikers, the give strikers you the wide go option. wide. I see. Okay. So they kind of go the halfway line. But then if you need a wide option, the extra striker goes over. So you have the two strikers. It's and really one. So more, more pay and um, Aaron, Connolly. Aaron Connolly were consistently getting in behind the fullbacks or in between the fullbacks and the centre-backs. And was it? What did you say? Connolly, sorry. Yeah, Aaron yes. Connolly. Aaron Connolly scored, yeah, scored two goals. It's his like, first start for Brighton. He's 19. <laughs> yeah. Scored two great goals. Well, did really well. Good on him. But yeah, Brighton's, and they, you know, they, they played out from the back the whole time. So they, they struck me as a team that know exactly how they're playing and they've all bought into it. And, you know, they're happy with the system that they're playing. They'd have bought into it now once after that result. Yeah. and uh, But I was, so I was really, I was really impressed with the way Brighton yeah. played. But I think you have to sort of, there is a caveat there that Spurs were incredibly poor. So I don't actually know how good Brighton, this is how bad Spurs were. I don't know how good Brighton are after mm. watching the game. Yeah, they won 3-0, but Spurs just looked flat. And I, I actually think after that game that this could be the end of Pochettino. Like it was mm. that, but that was that bad, and the effort's not there. So I'm like, I don't know if you can come back from that. I actually think he's he's gone in his head. Who would have thought at the beginning of this season? Obviously, John, you predicted that Chelsea yeah. would have been up, but Spurs the, the, league, the yeah. fact that such big expectations were on United, were on Spurs, were on Everton, and to see the the results that are coming in, it's just so shocking. The last thing I want to say on Brighton as well, there's a guy played in centre midfield called Alzate or Alzate. I don't know how. It's only his fifth game for Brighton. He's played 40-odd games in League Two for Leighton Orient and Swindon. And he played in the middle of the wow. park and was brilliant. He's 21 years old and he just kind of controlled the ball, was a bit of a Jorginho, just kind of spraying it where he needed to, never under pressure, never panicked. And I think Brighton, they've got... Talking of um, directors of football, they've got a guy, Dan Ashworth, in, who used to be the England yeah, kind of yeah. head coach man. And he was a Dan Ashworth pick. He was like, get this guy in um, and gave him to Graham Potter. And I think in Graham Potter and Dan Ashworth, Brighton, I've said this at the start of the season, if you stick with those two, I think they've got something really good happening. They're quite progressive thinkers. Like it's, yeah. you I mean, you just look at the way we were just talking about, like the yeah. way they're playing, it's different. Like, She's eyed him for sack race. Yeah, I think you're going to lose that. Yeah. Well, I've already won that um, one. Um, can, can we? Um, we can't move off the results without talking about Aston Villa. Oh yeah, what a win! Five one. Probably should have been higher up the running order. If, if credit well, where Aston Villa due. though, isn't it? <laughs> you don't, don't want to give Aston Villa. You don't like Aston Villa. Well, the only thing I like about Aston Villa is that Jack Grealish scored a goal, and he's my surprise player of the year. I good, you, good goal too. Yeah. Um, Wesley. Mm. Right. Fair, I've got a few problems with Wesley. His miserable celebrations. Firstly, like, he's a unit. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not massive. a problem. It's like a observation. Is that bloke <laughs> is a tank? It's an yeah. absolute tank. Second, I'm I'm pretty sick of Brazilians choosing boring names <laughs> and just trying to flamboyant them up. Fred, Fred, Wesley, Bernard, 
Wesley, like Joe Linton, Joe, 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 <laughs> Joe. Like I'm so sick of it. When well, what happened to Ronaldinho and Ronaldo? Like these things Rivaldo. are Rivaldo. Rivaldo. Like, they're, they're amazing, right? And it, like it makes you, inspires you. Like, oh, this is Rivaldo bloke. He's got something or Rivaldo. You're Ravinelli. Yeah. Uh, is Ravinelli? No, he's no, Italian. Italian. But anyway, and so then this, so this whole new. This whole new wave of bloody Bernard and, and I'm like, Bernard and Wesley. It's like it's like a public school detention room. Like I'm so sick of it. I've not really. There's a trend there. You're right. I've not really come across Wesley too much before. And then I was like, oh, Wesley's oh, the mystique of Brazilian Wesley. Um, come on, come on, kid. I'm not going to say it to him. He's a he's a beast. Did you, talking of well named footballers, did you see the midfielder that played for Villa's name? Go on. His first name is Marvelous. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. His second name's Nakombo, but yeah. Marvelous. What a name. Yeah. I want to be called very Marvelous. Good. I mean, some excellent goals, dominant performance by Villa. Jack, Jack, Jack Grealish had his best game in the Premier League, I think. So yeah. lots of people rave about Grealish. I haven't watched him as much as the people who rave about him. So I can't actively say I disagree. But when I watch him, I don't see what people see. This game, I saw it. Yeah. So I, I get it now. I've got to see him do it consistently. I've got to see him do it in the Premier League. I've got to see if he is you know, England's next greatest hope or whatever. The fact that he stayed at Villa so long, considering all of the the interest in him like he's club captain isn't he yeah, yeah. Like, so he he's earned his right to have a good season in the Premier League he, he's been loyal awful and haircut though terrible haircut and why does he have to wear such little shorts like he should play AFL like he wears look I'm trying that? to compliment the bloke like yeah. come on you're he's really good he looks like a bellend he's not, he's not in the twat squad yet what do you <laughs> think about it from a like Norwich perspective like we gave him a lot of credit when they beat City um, for only sort of playing their way. Um, again, I don't know. I think the result flatters Villa a bit. They were definitely a better team. But what do you what do you think about Norwich? I'm going to sound like miserable old white man. Norwich are down. Uh, I just, I just, they, they're going to win. Like lots some, of friends, lots of friends, and they're going to win some good games against some teams. But they're also going to lose 5-1 at home to Villa. You can't lose 5-1 at home to Your a relegation rival. They've got yeah, about true. 10 injuries, right? Yeah, they so, have. And they've got 10 injuries and a very thin squad in the first place. We knew, absolutely knew, if a team sticks to their guns the way Norwich did and do, they will concede goals. And, and they will yeah. have days where they concede five to Villa. But they will also have days where they score five against Sheffield United. So if they are going to evolve as a team and continue to become better they are going to stay open they're going to stick to their plan just like Man City do but they're a less talented version and you know they're going to have these days I think we have to accept it so I don't, I'm not going to knee jerk yeah I'm from, not going to write them off yet from Norwich's result I'm writing them off they're off um, has anyone got anything else on the Premier League they wanted to bring up before we go on to your championship yeah yeah who scored for Arsenal this week um, David Luiz. David Luiz scored for Arsenal this week. Oh, maybe he's the best defender of all time. Yeah. Arsenal won one nil and a centre back scored. It's like nineteen one nil to the Arsenal. Where's George yeah. Graham when you yeah. need him? Uh, uh, very briefly, um, I was going to give some credit to Palace because we haven't given them much credit, and they're fighting for fourth. Yeah, and I was, they are not fighting for fourth. No, no, I know they're not. But I was, all, <laughs> I was all ready to give them some credit. Yeah. And then I watched the goals from oh. the game against West Ham. Now, 
I don't actually think that the uh, offside Declan Rice. Well, firstly, oh. I don't think the Declan Rice goal was um, a penalty. A penalty. He stuck his hand up in the air. He stuck. His arm was in an awkward position, but it got smacked at him from about two yards. But you can't. You can't. Yeah. You can't. You don't have time to move your arm. So that's. I was anyway. You'd have you time might to move your arm it. if you happen to have put your arm in the air. I in was the first annoyed place. with that, and I don't. I. I don't think personally. Don't think it was penalty. Pen. Then pen, John. Yes. The VAR pen. decision at the game at the end of the game. Now, mm. what annoyed me about this was that the referee. This is another one which would have been given, whichever decision had been made mm. yes so the referee probably shouldn't have put up his flag because they're encouraged to let it go and then var would have um given the goal yeah by a toenail or whatever but then <laughs> the linesman did put up his flag and again they gave a decision that var is not accurate enough to determine they overruled it yeah so that like that just that whole thing annoyed me um Limited squad, Roy Hodgson's doing well, but it's still a bit boring, isn't it? It's so boring. They are the West. I tried to get excited and then I looked the at their, I looked at their team and I'm like, well, it's pretty much the same team as last year. Um they're probably Apart gonna finish Gay, up with Gary Cahill a added. similar amount of points. Jordan Ayu's scoring goals, like that's yeah. a bit weird, but any week an IU brother scores a goal is a big week. Do you know both scored a goal this week? Really? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the other one's Andre's Swansea. still playing championship. Yeah. Oh, good on him. Swansea paid twenty million for him. 20 he had a he had a really good season. Twenty million. He had, a, he had one really one good season. season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he scored like twenty goals. Nah. Well, um, um, Rog, let's go on to your championship update. You wanted to mention a man called Jude Bellingham. Who... Yeah, very briefly. So I watched a little bit of it was a Friday night game in the championship, and so I watched a little bit of Birmingham, and I can't remember who they played now, but. Um, <laughs> Anyway, well researched. So, well, Birmingham won the game. I can't for the life of me. Yeah, who did they play? I watched a bit of it as well. Uh, no, no. It'll come. but anyway, uh, I was watching it and I was like, there was um, this guy Jude Bellingham was running the show. Now I haven't really heard about him, but I was like, who is this guy? And they were obviously talking about him a bit. He's sixteen. Whoa! Now he is a sixteen-year-old kid playing against like men. In the, like, <laughs> in the championship well 16 I mean, yeah, that is yeah. a kid and he's playing central midfield he's like, running the show yeah he's like... he was actually running the show as, and he's been doing it this all this for Birmingham season, City for Birmingham City they were playing Middlesbrough Middlesbrough as a as a 16 year old I forgive you for forgetting now mm. yeah quite forgettable <laughs> at the moment Middlesbrough but I, I just I you know I, I haven't really heard of him and I saw that and I'm like to actually I obviously relate it to Bristol City, but Bristol City have got this young um, French kid they've brought in, Hano Masengo, and he's um, 19 and has been, mm. or 18, has been doing a great job. And I'm like, that's a big thing to come in as an 18 year old in Championship. And then I'm like, this kid's 16. Is he English? And yeah. yeah. And he's essentially running your show. Uh, Bayern Munich are apparently trying, uh, sniffing around trying to, trying to buy him. Every German club wants every <laughs> yeah. quite good 17 year old <laughs> English player. But that's, Fair enough. Uh, yeah, but what? Six, seven years ago, every English club wanted every quite good Spanish player. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So that's all we wanted was, was yeah. any... I, mean, I, yeah, I, excited, I get yeah. excited about it because it means that, you know, we're suddenly producing a lot of, you know, young players yeah, who've got great. some. But I'm just like, look out for this kid, essentially, because I think if you're running the show in the championship as a 16-year-old, and he's also been captain of um, uh, England at... Um, 
uh, age levels. So under 14, under 15, he's been England captain. So I think he'll we'll we'll hear more about him. The only other thing on the championship is just that Leeds lost again. Um, West Brom are currently top. Uh, with, with Gus Poyer as manager, twenty-two yeah. points. Not very good at holding on to leads. And <laughs> then down in tenth, we've got Charlton on eighteen. So you've got four points between top and tenth. Wow, that's the championship, best league that's, in the that, world. That's the update, essentially. <laughs> um, has anyone got any side stories? Yeah, did you see the VAR um, action in Saudi Arabia this week? Yeah. Chris on Facebook sent this to us, but uh, oh, independent uh, submission. Okay, yeah, go on. Um, so a game between Al Nassar and Al Feta, as in the cheese. I mean, I'm a I'm an Al Nassar <laughs> fan. I'm not sure about you, I'm, but I'm, uh, I like the Feta. I like their um, front foot football. <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's flowing, come on, get on with the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So, <laughs> went to VAR, but one of the staff at the stadium unplugged the VAR device to charge his phone. <laughs> so he so unplugged the telly to put his phone in. <laughs> it's the best. Well, but the same thing has happened in Spain. What? Not in terms of the phone plugging, but VAR broke. So for this is the first time in a major league, but um, so uh, Leganes in La Liga have mm. a, have appealed to La Liga because they were playing um, Levante, and there was a late penalty given that looks like it was um, it was essentially outside the box, but the VAR stopped working when they tried to refer it, and so there was no access to VAR. Oh no! And so they just had to give it, and they they lost the game. Yeah. And so now they've actually appealed the result because it's a you know it's can't a, appeal. It's a rule VARs the, in. And... This happened in the grand final in Australia last oh, year, right. two years ago, with the offside where the the VAR suite was just like crashed and needed rebooted at the same time the goal was scored and it was offside, oh. and the goal counted because the linesman, the ARs. Um, <laughs> that was said with yeah, such disdain yeah, and real emphasis on that. I was like, to the point where I'm like, who are ARs? Like, oh, know, yeah, system referee. Yeah, yeah ARs. <laughs> the, the ARs are meant to let the VAR have the opportunity for the AR to let the play go. So the AR let the play go because it was marginal, yeah. expecting the VAR to, to, to be the one that, that pulls it back. But actually, by doing that, the VAR was the was the one that was broken. So everyone did their job apart from the machine. Apart from the machine, and it was a goal Can't and one nil. Um, Everyone's seen Terminator Two. You can't trust the machine. Uh, I've got one other before you. Yeah. Before you, one other A League starts this weekend. So, uh, is there anything to work out for? Do we care? Melbourne no. Derby on Saturday night. Um, the, the who's the what um, players have we seen come from Dwight like, York? We haven't. There's a there's a bit of a change. Dwight York, did you say? <laughs> no, <laughs> fifty four. So, so without sorry, without without bringing notes on this, I just just yeah. just do it ad hoc. Um, this summer, so a few months back, three four months ago, they saw a change in governance of the league itself. So there was a huge push in Australian football for the last few years where essentially the national governing body owned the rights to the A-League, the national team, and all of the money got distributed. Oh, so, mate, what's his name? Frank uh, Lowy. Oh, uh, yeah. Has he so, gone? Uh, yeah, they've all been booted out. Great. So essentially it was football was going to implode in this country and the, and the A-League was going to just completely disband. It was a complete disaster and it had to evolve. 
So FIFA did a, had a normalising committee. We've discussed this in, in great mm. detail before. FIFA's normalising committee, like good on you. Um, <laughs> anyway, what's the result of all of this meant that the clubs themselves had uh, equal say in the governance of the A League, which is great. So they're looking at how they disperse their money. You know, reviewing rules like um, marquee spots, things like you know, things like who who gets money from merch. It's, it's a good thing for Evolution Football. It's just like what happened between the old First Division, the Premier League, in the mm-hmm. UK. Not to the extremity because TV rights are a bit different these days, but it's it's a good thing. However, without any real decision, there is a move away from having international marquees. So I'm just just yeah. putting that out there. Clubs are. Uh, would rather invest the money that they would be spending on these big name marketing opportunities in youth and yeah. infrastructure. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, long term, that's a great idea. So the that's that's long term, but usually, so what happens is that A League, the governing body of the A League, decide a marketing plan before the league starts. Now, now this year, that marketing plan was going to be put off until after the AFL, so the Australian rules. Until the new finished. Marvel but, film come out, came out or something. Well, well no, it was just put off until that, and then they were going to just pump a bunch of marketing in the last fortnight. However, now there's like. There's 10 bigwigs at a table trying to decide. No one agreed that the marketing strategy was the right strategy. So uh, no one liked it. So with only a fortnight to go, all of the clubs who were originally had no say and just accepted that it was going to be marketed went, no, 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 we don't like it, we don't like it, we, 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 we want an opinion. <laughs> and by doing that, there's no big marketing push for the league itself at all. Well, no one knows it's starting. Nothing's happened. Yeah. So the A-League starts tomorrow night in Australia. If you didn't know that... Yeah, I had no idea. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. It's not anywhere no. so clubs now want to do their own now okay in the I long run i don't think i care though I but in really the long don't. run it's a good thing because clubs have then opted to go okay we'll just mark we'll take our bit of the money and we will mark it in our own community to our own fans so you will see lots of what we would now consider disjointed marketing strategies it's not done by the league yeah. itself but because of that there's no real marketing by the league itself apart from instagram facebook and nonsense yeah, wow. Well, so you haven't heard about it, but tomorrow night, I think it's no, not tomorrow night. Friday night, it's uh, Sydney, Perth. I yeah, think. it's tomorrow night. Yeah. yeah, no, it's Friday night. Oh yeah, I've got very quick ones. Yeah, go on, Rog. Going to America from the A League to to the yeah. MLS, which is quite appropriate. Demarcus Beasley retired. Oh, I remember Demarcus Beasley. I love Demarcus. When I think of like uh, Wonder Kids football, and well, um, he was on football Champs. in America. Demarcus Beasley is like the first sort of star yeah. I remember. Like yeah. he played in Germany, I think, yeah. um, and was it Leverkusen maybe. Yeah, and I remember it was oh, like, in that Leverkusen team with Michael Ballack, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. it was like yeah, the yeah, first yeah, yeah. time I had kind of heard of an American footballer. Yeah, um, and it was great. But yeah, he's he's just retired. Oh. Uh, and Carlos Vela just broke the uh, goals record in a single season, a regular in the season MLS, record, yeah. regular season for Orlando, thirty-one goals. No, it doesn't play for Orlando. He plays for NYCFC. Yes. Not, not NYCFC, LAFC, sorry. Oh, yeah. um, and not just that, his goals this year have been amazing. Like, he's not just done a Hernandez. This bloke's been scoring overhead kicks. He's been scoring Rabinas. Rabinas? Rabinas? Rabinas. He has been exceptional. There's been a bit of a, um artificial... Between him and Zlatan. Yeah. But the thing is, Zlatan's been amazing this year as yeah. well. Like, he's been, he's been phenomenal. Um I think that they're just coming into final season. So um, 
the pots have been drawn without knowing off the, off the top of my head. I think LA have got a pretty good draw. Uh, NYCFC uh, straight into the semis uh, because they finished top of the Eastern Conference. And I think yeah. they are looking pretty good this season too, which is their most successful season. Nice. So it's going to be an interesting final series in the uh, MLS. Good one. Let's move on to... The end game. End game. End game. Now, so from last week, my first time playing, I won. So that means uh, Jeff's on two. I'm on one. Rod, you're on zero because you are shite at this game. Nil poir. Um, Now. (laughs) (laughs) Roger. (laughs) You're so shit at this. Um, Because you're shit, Rod, you can go first. Um, Now. Sympathy vote. Chelsea beat Southampton 4-1. So I've gone back to when the last time Southampton beat Chelsea, which was on the 3rd of October 2015. So four years ago, basically, Jesus. to the day. So as if, just to remind everyone at home... I can't think of anyone. ...name who played in the starting 11s for each team, any player from either team. If you name someone who came on as a sub, you get another go. 2015. So the 3rd of October 2015. Um... I think Jose Mourinho was manager, and I was going about to say of who, but that's a stupid. <laughs> maybe Ronald Koeman as Southampton. Maybe there's some players. Have a think. There is some players that are still there, and there's some players that are still playing in the Premier League. Rog, where are you going to start? 2015. Southampton or Chelsea. Four years ago. Come on, Rog. Petr Cech. Baba. Oh, no. <laughs> and he'd already gone. He'd already gone. Oh, my God. Uh, I'd, I'd written four on my list already, John. What, what, what are you for? Charlie Austin. Nope. Oh, Cedric. Oh. Yep. Willian. Yep. Matic. Matic. Uh, he came off the bench. Oh, Rog, see? Look at, so, look at this. That must have been his first season he'd gone. Chelsea played Asmir Begovic, Gary Cahill, John Terry, Azpukuleta. <laughs> it's so it's never going to be easy to say that name ever. Ivanovic, Cesar Bragas, Eden Hazard, Oscar Ramirez. Wait William. a minute, we stopped that early too. Falcon. Hold on, we I got it wrong, but Jeff also got it wrong. No, 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 it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You, you go you're first. You yeah, go wrong. You're a loser. No, what yeah. about the no, no, no. Team, that's not. Is it, shh, shh, no, can't that's, be, shh, the other person has to get one right. No. That's a crap rule. <laughs> that is a crap VAR. rule. VAR, get a VAR. He got he got his wrong too. So we both got one wrong. Doesn't matter. Do you want another game to make up for it? Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Okay. Well, talk amongst yourself for thirty seconds while I find a game. If you've got any more side stories, you can chat. About- Do you know Cedric was the first name that came to mind? I'm like, why that is Cedric? Bizarre. <laughs> why is he just like permeated by subconscious? That must have been his first because his name's Cedric, maybe. But that would have been his first year to 2015. I I have got no idea who even won the league in 2015. Was, was that the Leicester? No, year? I think it was 2016. Yeah, but it's 2015, 16 because it was October 2015. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Okay, um, and was is... it Mourinho? Yeah. So same teams. I still get a point for that though. No. Che- che- no. Chelsea Southampton. You can go first though. No. April twenty seventeen. Seventeen. Chelsea won four two at home. Go on then, Jeff. Um, Willian. <laughs> oh, he came off the bench. Oh, thank God for that. Uh, Hazard. Wait a minute. Correct. Yeah, if you came off the bench, you get another go. Oh, right. Sorry. 
Sorry, ca- 2017. Yep. Southampton against Chelsea, Rog. Matic. Correct. Font. Ba-ba! You guys are shit at this. One all. Kante? Kante would have played. Courtois, Azpilicueta, Louise, Cahill, Moses, Kante, Matic, Alonso, Fabregas, Hazard. It's a really shallow victory, Roger. You you can't be, you're not going to be proud of yourself for that. Let's move on. Move on. But, um... (laughs) (laughs) Does that mean Roger won a point? No. 2-1-1. Half a point. You've got to pick a game next week then. All right. No, I think that that has to be... I know we did it on the fly, but I think if it's the first one, you can't have someone winning with zero. That's, yeah, no, okay, that's, that's not a, yeah. like that's not a victory. Pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reaching here. Pathetic. Um, has anyone got anything before we go? No. <laughs> Jeff's in a half now. <laughs> um, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week, and Jeff will be over his loss. Um, don't forget, if you want to get in contact, ask questions, or tell us we were wrong about anything, um, find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. See ya.